Welcome in to the BetUS College Football Show, Week 10, Part 2. I am your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter, at GaryWCE. Hopefully, everybody is having a wonderful Wednesday thus far. Hopefully, the lines have moved in your favor. I know that some of mine have not, but I'm going to trust the numbers here. Let's go ahead and introduce the experts on the show. On the right side of your screen, of course, our professional award-winning handicapper. He is at KyleHunterPicks on Twitter. He is Kyle Hunter. Kyle, how you feeling, brother? Yeah, I'm good, guys. Uh, what a mixture of games we have today. I love this back and forth of under the radar and huge games. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, most certainly. We, Like you said, we've got the huge, massive, monster brand name games. And then we got, you know, some Sun Belt. We tossed in a little Mountain West in here. Yeah, this is perfect for the diehard college football fan. On the left side of the screen, of course, is Parker Fleming at Stats of War on Twitter. The numbers guy. I call him the numerical guru, our analyst, if you will. Parker, how about you, buddy? Doing, doing great, man. It was so nice to see, uh, to not watch the college football playoff reveal last night and watch two just absurd Maction games. I thought it was so funny that we did it in the Q&A yesterday and said, man, I don't know, Maction is just kind of a toss-up. And then both games were absolutely insane last night. Uh, I'm excited to do it again tonight. Oh, most certainly, yes. We will talk about the Maction games, of course, in the Q&A at the end of the show. Let me go ahead and tell everybody, like the video, if you would, so kindly. I do this each and every time out, but you guys are already in the chat. You're rocking and rolling. I see Arbone in there. I see Heath. I see Julius. I see James. ABC is in there. You guys are awesome. Go ahead and like the video and help us out. That helps out with all the back-end algorithm whatever stuff that apparently pushes this show out to even more people, and that helps us out. So uh, the show is free, of course. Just do us a favor and make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. Hit the notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live. That's each and every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. And, of course, if you can't be here live, we understand. We would highly recommend that you be here live. But if you can't be here, you can always get the podcast. The BetUS Football Show, available on any of your favorite podcast apps. Make sure that you are subscribed there and leave a nice five-star review. Apple, Spotify, I don't even know which ones allow you to rate and review anymore, but... If it allows you to, go ahead and do that for us. That helps out, too. Uh, along with that, let's go ahead and dive uh, into our recap. We try and be as transparent as possible on this show and let you know what we are doing. If we are losing, we will tell you. That way you can fade us. If we are winning, though, we're going to definitely let you know, and that way you can tell us. So let's look at what we've got so far. On the season, I am sitting at 36-20-2, which is uh, not, too, not too bad, not too shabby, as I usually say. Kyle, 20 and 17. Parker, 29, 27 and 1. All three of us with winning records. And the total is 85, 64 and 3. That is 57.05% against the number thus far on the season. We have got a few games to get into. Quite a few today. So let's go ahead and dive into the first one here. We're going to start off with a little sunbelt action. A little fun belt, if you will. Texas State heads to Louisiana Monroe. Of course, the fight in Terry Bowden's over there. Uh, we have got Louisiana Monroe, a one-point favorite. The total sits at 52 in Malone Stadium and, of course, Monroe, Louisiana. This is a 4 p.m. Eastern time game on ESPN3. Hey, I look at this. Of course, the latest numbers are over at BetUS. Uh, Texas State, 27-19 to last year. Texas State is 2-0 and against the spread and straight up in the last two against Louisiana Monroe. They are 6-2 and against the spread in the last eight against ULM. Uh, Kyle, I'm going to start with you on this one. Texas State has good, they've, they've looked really good the last three against App State. Of course, they got that upset win. They played a really close game against Troy, played a really close game against Southern Miss. 
Those are three really good Sunbelt teams that they were never expected to even be in the ballpark with. And yet this team with, of course, uh, Lane Hatcher at quarterback uh, appears to be rounding into shape. Jake Spavital, who we don't know how long he is for this job, uh, he seems to be doing a pretty good job thus far this season, especially here recently. What are you seeing in this matchup between these two? I mean, this is one of those way under the radar games that we love for sure. Uh, defense versus offense, in my opinion. Texas State, the better defense. ULM, the better offense, especially in Sunbelt play. Um, I think ULM has gotten some really good play out of Chandler Rogers lately. I'm really impressed with what he's done. In fact, you go back and look, he has uh, zero turnover-worthy plays in the last three games, 1.5% for the year overall. Tremendous 79.3 PFF rating, a passing grade. That's ahead of Jaron Hall, J.J. McCarthy, Casey Thompson. So some pretty good names that he's ahead of there. ULM's averaging 6.28 yards per play in the Sun Belt. Uh, ULM strategy on offense, I think, will be really interesting because the Warhawks usually run it on 59% of their plays, but their biggest edge is throwing it with Rodgers against the secondary here. Uh, from the other side, Texas State's offense uh, goes against one of the worst defenses in the country. Um, this Monroe defense is just terrible. 129th in tackling grade at PFF, 127th in coverage grade. And if this game gets close late, uh, Monroe's special teams could certainly blow it. They're 129th out of 131 in special teams grade. I'll tell you, I think I lean to the over in this one. I think both offenses have a path to success here. Lane Hatcher is a big upgrade over what Texas State has had in the past. I like how Rodgers is playing here. I don't know that I, I like anything on a side here, so I'm going to let uh, Gary give his opinion on that. But I think over 52 is a, a fair a uh, fair number for a for a decent lean here in this one. Uh, Texas State has slowed down their tempo, which makes me not quite as excited about this as I thought I would be preseason. But uh, ULM has had some high scoring games here of late. I will tell you this: I do wonder if their slower tempo has to do with the fact that they have played those three uh, kind of sunbelt monsters all in a row, uh, because those defenses are just awesome. And so, Parker, let's let's bring you into this. At their defense. Uh, for ULM, as Kyle mentioned, just awful. Number 129 PPA per drive over the last five weeks. Uh, the offense is number 56. You know, he brought up uh, Chandler Rogers at number 31 QBR so far this season. He has actually been really, really good. Uh, what are your thoughts here? I, I, I feel like I've got a side here, but I, I want to hear your thoughts on it. Hi. You know, for for what Jake Spavadol is trying to do, I'm actually shocked that Texas State's defense is kind of legit this year. I had them at 11th in the uh, group of five out of 66 group of five teams in EPA per play, 18th in unadjusted um, EPA per play on defense. Gary holding opponents to just uh, 20, excuse me, 23rd best, 1.74 uh, points per drive there. So um, that that I mean, very very good against the rush, which I think is going to matter a whole lot in this game. Uh, ULM and the fight in Terry Bowden's are 85th in rush rate over expected, rushing 2.4% more than the average team. Texas State ninth in EPA per rush allowed, and uh, 51st in rushing success rate allowed. So if they can deny that early, especially on early downs, they're 20th on defense in preventing um, early down explosiveness. I really think they could put this ULM offense, which has been fine in its own right. Uh, 25th in the group of five, 58th overall, um, unadjusted for opponent. I mean, 
they they've done some things well and they've rushed a little bit better. But fortunately, I mean, unfortunately for them, Texas State's strength has been this rushing defense. So I think we're going to see a really, really ugly offensive matchup here. But if you're watching this from a football standpoint, this is sneakily one of the better matchups of unit on unit with this legitimate Texas State defense versus a very competent Louisiana Monroe offense here. So um, I have this, uh, you know, a, very, very close to a pick them within a point here, but slightly favoring Texas State to win this outright. So um, I, I'm really interested to see what these teams can do kind of in best on best Texas State defense versus Monroe's uh, offense. I have got Texas State favored by three points in this game. Just looking at, at my recent numbers and, of course, full season, uh, but mine bake in roster, et cetera, right? That strength of uh, roster, uh, your schedule strength, everything. And so opponent adjusted as well. And I think Texas State is the better football team. Uh, you look at what they've done and know the offensive numbers don't exactly look great, especially recently. But again, they played App State, Troy, and Southern Miss all in a row. They're coming off of a bye week at the Lane Hatcher to the Ashton Hawkins connection, I think is a big one to watch, especially against Louisiana Monroe's number 125 PPA per pass defense here. Texas State, number 55 in turnover margin. Louisiana Monroe is number 96. Penalties per game, both of them actually pretty disciplined when it comes to that, number 32 and number 33, respectively. Look, Louisiana Monroe is number 129 in passing downs, PPA, and number 120 in success rate on passing downs. Even if they were to get Texas State behind the chains, I don't think they can capitalize on it. I look for a big offensive output from Texas State in this spot because they know that they have got an advantage there. Even if the numbers don't necessarily show it, I really think that they do have that there. And I think their defense, as you mentioned, Parker, is going to be able to slow down Chandler Rogers and what ULM is doing. ULM's lost four straight. I know that they're coming off of a bye as well, but that defense lets me know that I need to be rolling with Texas State and I will take the Bobcats to cover the one here. Um, yeah, give me, give me the one point and I will certainly roll with Texas State on that one. All right, moving along, we're going to stay in the Sun Belt. You know, but I love this league. I love this league so much. Troy heads to Lafayette, Louisiana. That's right. The Ragin' Cajuns are hosting, and of course, Louisiana, a five-and-a-half-point underdog. The total sits at 43-and-a-half, latest number at BetUS. This one going down at Cajun Field. And Louisiana won this one 35-21 to 21 last year. Uh, Troy, I don't know that I want to count anything that happened from last season or the two seasons prior to that with Troy. Uh, I believe we all saw the tweet that they shared out. If you just take the three years before Chip got there. Um, yeah, they're they're one of the winningest programs in all of college football. So <laughs> if you just take out those three years, um, this Troy team, I mean, this defense is serious. They are absolutely serious. Number 24 in PPA per drive over the last five weeks. They are number five in points per play on the season. I mean, that is awesome. Parker, these two teams, I, I can't really figure out what Louisiana is. But I think I've got a good sense of the identity of Troy here. What what are you looking at? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think Louisiana is a, a situation where their defensive fundamentals are holding up from last year. So I have them at 13th overall and unadjusted EPA per play on defense, um, sixth in the group of five when you adjust that for for opponents. So they've done a good job being kind of fierce on defense, fifth in EPA per pass, 35th in EPA per rush, and 
uh, 22nd in quality possession rate allowed. So very fierce defense. The problem has been the offense is just feckless. They can't run the ball. They can't pass the ball. Doesn't feel like they have a good identity for what they want to do. 89th in EPA per pass, 120th in EPA per rush. They're rushing 3.3% um, less than the average team. So trying to spread the ball around hasn't necessarily connected. That offense is good enough for 42nd out of the 66 G. Uh, five teams. So really, really rough there um, on the offensive side of the ball. Troy has, has slightly been getting better week over week. They have a defense that's just, that's okay, 15th out of the group of five. Um, but that offense is now climbed up to 29th. They've been managing the quarterbacks well, um, been very um, consistent. They are a lot more um, explosive in the pass game than they are in the rush game. 75th in EPA per pass, 117th in EPA per rush. They're averaging negative 0.11. Um, so more than a tenth of a point in negative value every time they run the ball. That's not great. That would incentivize me to throw it a lot, and they are throwing it a lot. They're throwing um, about 3.6, 3.7% more than the average team there. So um, a, a pretty aggressive uh, spot there. I think the big difference here will will come down to Troy's defense um, being so good on early downs. They're 13th on early downs EPA, but 108th in third and fourth down success. So a huge split there. They're really getting torched later. If they can get... Um, Louisiana into these third and long situations and try to capitalize, I think they can push this Louisiana offense behind the sticks and then with their offense be able to drum, draw up some explosive pass plays here. So um, I don't have Troy covering. I have them winning outright. I'm worried to bet Louisiana in this spot just because that offense has been so rudderless. I I totally, totally see where you're coming from on that. Wooldridge had three interceptions and a 39-24 to 24 loss to Southern Miss just last week. This team, two and four in their last six games, they have averaged over 5.3 yards per play against Marshall, Arkansas State, and Southern Miss. So two pretty good defenses there. Uh, Arkansas State, obviously, if you've got any kind of an offense, you're going to do well there. Uh, Kyle, you know, we'll move over to you. As Parker mentioned there, Louisiana, number 109 in standard down success rate. Uh, Troy's defense is number 22. Louisiana, number 84 on passing down success rate. Troy's defense is number 27. I don't know how much success they're actually going to have against this Troy defense. And Troy uh, would like to move at really a snail's pace here. They they don't feel any reason to speed this thing up. Uh, let me give you some trends here. The under is 17-4 and four in Louisiana home games in the last 21. And the under is 12-5 and five in Troy road games. Uh, it seems like we might be trending towards something with a total here, even at 43-and-a-half. Uh, what do you see in this one? Yeah, I mean, first, I think this is a big game for for Gary and I with our Troy bet from the preseason. I mean, oh, yes. honestly, think of how great a position we would be in with that not being that App State final shenanigans that happened. Obviously, I was thinking about that last night, putting together some notes, and I was like, man, this could have been such an amazing spot here for Troy. But uh, you know, I think they let's hope they get the job done the rest of the way, and it starts here in this one. Seventy-six percent of the bets are on Louisiana in this one, which kind of surprises me a bit, honestly. But there's been a lot of line movement toward Troy. Now, I don't like to just make assumptions based on that. And some people say that that um, that data is not always the most accurate. So uh, I wouldn't make a bet based on that solely. But I do think it's interesting that Troy is getting steamed here, while more of the bets uh, seem to be on Louisiana. I think Troy's defensive line can dominate a lot of games, and I think they could in this one. They're 13th in the nation in yards per carry allowed. They're also 18th in explosiveness allowed on defense. That's really solid. I think that's super important in this game because Louisiana has re resorted to really needing those big explosive plays because they can't have success consistently. Um, you look at how they've done 112th in success rate on offense. 
their usually powerful run game from the last few years is completely gone. Uh, they're not good at running the football anymore. I don't think they'll be hitting too many of those home run plays against this Troy defense either. You look at the other side, Troy's offense isn't any good either. I mean, they're winning because of their defense. Uh, Troy has to throw it a lot because their rushing attack is that bad. Like you guys said, 2.75 yards per carry, which is bottom five in the country. Troy is also up against a pretty good secondary here in Louisiana. Their coverage grades rate out very well. Uh, I don't see Troy generating that much offense in this game. Neither team plays all that fast. I would expect a pretty slow pace here. Both of these teams rank in the top 20 in PFF defensive grade. I have to take the under here. I know it's a low number. I think Troy's games will consistently stay pretty low because of their defense and because their offense is not very efficient. So I'll take the under. I could certainly, certainly roll with that. Uh, name to pay attention to. If you have not watched Troy, the linebacker Carlton Marshall, uh, getting close to setting an all-time NCAA tackling record. Just to watch out. This is a 5 p.m. Eastern time game on ESPN+. Plus. So you want to tune in to the Trojans, uh, help us get that Sunbelt West ticket cashed. I think it was, plus, uh, what, plus 450? Is that right, Kyle? And so, yeah, Kyle's going to go official here under 43 and a half, and I cannot disagree. I cannot disagree. I, I will, I'll stay off of it. I, I might do a little pizza money on this because I like where you're going with it, but, man, that Southern Miss under last week against Louisiana just absolutely threw me off of them for a little bit. <laughs> uh, we'll move along. We have got a massive one in the SEC that we need to talk about. And thanks to those rankings that we don't need to discuss, we now have a top 10 matchup, which I don't know that it necessarily changes anything, but uh, I guess it's cool to toss on TV. Alabama heads to LSU, Baton Rouge, Saturday night in Death Valley, and the Tide are 13-point favorites. The total sits at 58, latest numbers at BetUS. Whew, Tiger Stadium is going to be bouncing for this one, gentlemen. Uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time, of course, on ESPN. Alabama won this game last year 20-14. to 14. I believe LSU's defense held the Bama rushing attack to .1 yards per carry, if I'm not mistaken. It was, it was brutal. It was ugly. And Coach O gave it one last hurrah and couldn't quite get it done. Bryce Young had to save the day again. Alabama's 4-1 and one and 2-3 and three against the spread against LSU. So four and one straight up, two and three against the spread in the last five against LSU. The road team in this matchup is six and oh against the spread in the last six. So I guess that would lead towards Alabama, I guess, other than the fact that the tide are two and five against the spread in their last seven on the road. LSU is four and one against the spread in home games thus far. Kyle, we're gonna start with you here. The Alabama rushing numbers are uh, a little a little iffy. Uh, number 77 in rushing success rate, and they are one, excuse me, last week, 1.07 yards per rush on 27 carries in a 30-6 to six win over Mississippi State. Uh, can they get any kind of a push against LSU's front seven? And I think the same question goes on the other side, uh, because I think LSU has to be able to run to win. Uh, what are you seeing between these two teams? Well, you know, both of these teams lost to Tennessee. is kind of looking better by the week as Tennessee puts up those good uh, showings, certainly. Um, Alabama kind of not getting that much hype for an Alabama team, in my opinion. Now, it's kind of interesting to see Alabama kind of flying under the radar, so to speak. Uh, you know, they need to find a way to play better on the road and make fewer of those mental mistakes. Um, you know, I'll spare the listeners the long spiel again about how tremendous I think Bryce Young is, because I've done that several times before. But the guy's a gamer. He's tremendous. Um, I think we see a pretty big split in LSU's defense against the run, much weaker against the pass, stronger. 
you know, Alabama has a better run game than they had last year, in my opinion. Um, you know, at least a better offensive line for run blocking than they had last year. I think they'll use it a decent amount in this game and then open up some play action passing. Now, as far as LSU, it's all about Jaden Daniels on offense. You know, what's Jaden Daniels going to be like? I've told you guys before, I really still don't know exactly what Jaden Daniels is. He's had a couple really good games here lately. Um, you know, two turnover-worthy plays all year. But against Florida and Ole Miss, he's been absolutely fantastic. He's thrown it very well. He's ran it well all year on those scramble plays, you know, just kind of random, you know, getting 20 yards out of nothing. Uh, I, don't, I don't see Alabama giving him those easy dump-offs uh, to, to the backs or the screens to the wide receivers to get yardage that some other teams have. You know, his average depth of target is only seven yards, so uh, he hasn't really looked downfield much at all. I think the path to success here for LSU's offense is having Daniels run it a bunch. You know, are they willing to do that? Because that really has kind of been the way to beat Alabama in the past is those mobile quarterbacks. Uh, Daniels certainly a great athlete. Nobody can take that away from him. So I think Alabama's the much better team in this game, but Baton Rouge at night, I mean, you guys know how that can get. Uh, and, I mean, Alabama honestly has not played well on the road. Gary's pointed this out several times. I wouldn't want to lay this many points with Alabama. I think uh, – you know, obviously Saban's a great coach. Kelly's a good coach, too. He gets teams ready for big games. Uh, I think this is right where I had the, the line projected. I have to pass here. I honestly don't really even have a lean. I I look at this matchup, and I think this is exactly what Brian Kelly wanted when he came down to LSU, right? You, you come to the SEC for situations like this. If LSU were to win this game, they would be in the driver's seat for the SEC West Championship, of course, to head to Atlanta to face either Tennessee or Georgia. Uh, this is, you know, a prove-it spot, I think, for Alabama. Parker, uh, exactly what Kyle was just saying about Jaden Daniels, 72% completion percentage over the last two weeks. He's thrown for nearly 600 yards, five touchdowns, no picks against Florida and Ole Miss. Can they take advantage of the Alabama secondary? We know that Tennessee was able to do that because they found a mismatch there. Uh, but it, while I do think that LSU has fantastic receivers, I still don't know that they really know exactly how to use them, uh, I guess, the way that would be most advantageous to those receivers, right? Uh, it's not the same offense that Tennessee runs. So I, I'm looking at this, you know, both teams coming off of a bye. Uh, what are you seeing in the numbers here? Yeah, LSU's offense is absolute chaos, and it's Jaden Daniels kind of cooking in this kitchen where the ingredients are just kind of thrown everywhere and making stuff happen. Um, 400 of his 600 rushing yards have, have come on scrambles, um, and so he's very dynamic, can extend plays. Uh, I think Alabama is definitely going to say, we're going to sit back and not let you beat us on the ground. We're going to make us throw, make you throw against us, but I think that taking that pressure off of him is going to be a fine line to toe because he has shown in, in certain spots that he can run this offense and can find the option and can extend the plays um, and make a read. So um, I have this as number five versus number 10 in um, EPA per play margin adjusted for opponent. Um, really, really balanced on offense versus defense here. Uh, 11th in EPA per rush, of course, including scrambles for LSU. 17th in EPA per pass. Alabama's 16th in EPA per pass defense. 24th in rushing defense there. So uh, kind of a nice match, match up there on that side. But I do believe that Jaden Daniels' mobility is a dynamic that Alabama hasn't had to account for. And so I think it's less going to be, hey, LSU is throwing these bombs to, uh, to uncovered receivers like Tennessee did. And more so, oh, Alabama 
is getting into third and 10 and giving up 11 yards because Jaden Daniels does something crazy. That's going to be frustrating. Um, you know, being in Baton Rouge on a Saturday night is going to be absolutely insane, big environment. And uh, I, I went back, Gary, I took your stat about Alabama on the road and went back to 2017. Alabama, 47.8% against the spread as a an away favorite. Uh, since 2017. So doing a little trends research there, I really don't like Alabama on the road. I think LSU is a little bit undervalued in this spot. If this was 10 and a half, 11, I might shy away from this, but you're giving me 13, 13 and a half uh, for, a, for a home dog that has a huge home advantage and one of the most dynamic offensive players in the nation. I'm going to take LSU to keep this close, make this uncomfortable for Alabama. I could totally, totally understand that. Let's make it official. Parker going to ride with the LSU Tigers plus the 13 uh, stat to pay attention to LSU number 17 and have a great allowed uh, those Alabama defensive ends, linebackers and whatnot. Of course, Dallas Turner, et cetera, against Tennessee, they had to drop back in coverage every now and then. I don't think they're going to have to do that here, but Jaden Daniels mobility, something to pay attention to. So we, uh, we will remind everybody. I see more people joining in. Make sure and like the video for us. Let's get up to 100 likes if we could. And uh, and make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. That allows you to get into the chat, which you can see Dominic, Raphael, Arbone, Rance, uh, Lee, Anoop, etc. All the guys are in there. You can be a part of that chat as well. Just subscribe to the channel. Hit the notification bell. Again, we go live every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time to break down the week's biggest games, give you our analysis of it, see if we have any kind of a value on these games. Uh, and if you can't be here live, of course, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast, the Bet US Football Show. Gentlemen, uh, along with that, oh, yes, yesterday's show. If you missed yesterday's show, we hit Tennessee, Georgia over there yesterday. So make sure that you go back and watch that. Not right now. Stay here with us right now. But you can go back and check that one out afterwards. We're moving along to the AAC. And I know there's been all this talk about Tulane and Cincinnati and UCF. But nobody seems to be talking about Houston right now. Houston heads to SMU. This is 7 p.m. Eastern time on the NFL Network, which is a little strange, I will admit. But it's at Gerald J. Ford Stadium in Dallas, Texas. SMU a three-point favorite. The total sits at 66.5. Houston won the matchup last year, 44-37. Houston is 3-1 and one against the spread, 2-2 two and two straight up in the last four against SMU. Houston right there, only one loss in the AAC. This is a team to look out for. Uh, Parker, we're going to start with you on this. Tanner Mordecai didn't practice last week. The backup, Preston Stone, broke his collarbone. The running back, uh, Kamar Wheaton, is questionable. Uh, Trey Siggers, it looks like, is doubtful. Uh, who even knows who is going to be on the field for SMU at this point? Houston quietly rattling off three straight wins. The, the losses that they have on the season really don't look that bad now when you look at it. They're running back, Stacy Sneed, picking up a little bit of steam. What, uh, what do you see in this one? Yeah, I think the biggest issue with Houston is just the way that they have lost and the way that they have won is entirely different from what we expected. We expected Tank Dell and Matthew Golden to have these big plays, be a high-volume passing offense. And they've actually, um, you know, haven't lived up to that hype per se. I do like this spot for them. It does feel like they kind of got a three-week ramp up, getting some relatively weak opponents in Memphis, although they tried really hard to lose that Memphis game. But since coming back, then you get a Navy team you could just separate from, a USF team that can't score points to save their lives. Um, and uh, and I really think this is a nice kind of ramp up. On the, mean, on the other side, I mean, SMU's had a really tough schedule. Uh, in their last five, TCU on the road at UCF, 
uh, at home versus Cincinnati and then a Tulsa game last night, last week that they, you know, that, that, that they had to outlast. Um, and so I, I really think that SMU is in a bad spot here. Houston is, is 22nd in EPA per pass. SMU's defense is 88th overall. Um, this, this SMU defense is 44th out of the 66 group of five teams in, in efficiency allowed um, and just really, really tough. The one thing that they do well on offense is, is they finish drives really well. 42nd in echo rate for SMU, 18th in points per quality possession. But they're really, really bad at field position. They're really, really bad at early downs. Uh, 93rd in starting field position, 81st in early downs EPA. So the defense has been so bad that it's kind of leading over into the offense as these weapons get thin. Gary, Kyle, I saw a tweet the other day where SMU was celebrating that Rashi Rice, the wide receiver, had 15 pass interference penalties called this season. Um, you can't make the whole offense how to pass interference. At some point, you've got to run some plays, and I feel like that's catching up to SMU a little bit. Um, if 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 Houston can deny them, I could see Houston winning this outright, let alone keeping this close. I had this as almost an exact toss-up, and at that point, you're just talking about home field advantage there. So I, I would not surprise me if Houston pulled this one out. I think they're ramping up really nicely in a better spot than, than SMU here. Um, if Tanner Mordecai is healthy, though, that Mordecai to Rashi Rice um, connection can be as explosive as anyone in the country. Uh, it does definitely make sense. As far as trends go, you know, Kyle, I want to get your opinion here. Uh, these two teams trending in completely different directions. Uh, over the last four weeks, Houston is number 12 in the country in net PPA per drive, SMU number 94. So something to pay attention to with this. As far as some trends go, Houston 4-1 and one against the spread on the road and SMU 1-4 and four against the spread at home. Uh, Kyle, what do you see between these two? Well, you know, I think the thing that's disappointing me the most about Houston has been their defense, though. I mean, even even in their win over South Florida, they gave up 6.6 yards per play with South Florida with uh, Marsh as quarterback. So you back up quarterback, still not looking very good. And that wasn't just garbage time. Uh, you know, South Florida moved it all the way from the beginning. Honestly, I, I don't know what to do with this game, so I'm going to keep my thoughts brief. I have uh, more more thoughts on the other games, but Tanner Mordecai back for this one, it looks like. So he is back at practice, seemingly recovered. Um, he's been pretty good this year. Not fantastic, but pretty good. A lot of variance. He's had some really good games and then some terrible games as well. There's been a lot of dropped passes from the SMU wide receivers so far this year. Really surprising. They've had some great talent that is gone, though. So they have lost quite a bit from the wide receiver room. I think Houston's defense has just been pretty disappointing to me in general. I think there should be points in this game if Mordecai is healthy and going to play. So probably lean to the over a bit. This was supposed to be a good SMU defensive line. I mean, in my notes preseason, you know, I hyped up this SMU defensive line thinking they'd be good. They, they've been terrible. They're not good at all. So, um, you know, SMU defensively not any good. I think Houston will get what they want to get. I do think SMU will score uh, quite a few as well. So I can understand taking the points here because I think this is kind of a coin flippy type game. Yeah, that's that's the direction that I'm going to go with this. I'm going to take Houston plus the three. I liked it plus two. I certainly like it plus three. Uh, even with Mordecai coming back, I, I still really think that this Houston offense is better than this SMU offense. It had to pull up the numbers just to make sure PPA per drive uh, offense, PPA per drive Houston, number 10 over the last five weeks. Uh, they're number 65 on defense in that metric SMU on the other side, number 68 offensive PPA per drive number 106 defensive PPA per drive. I, I think these are two teams kind of heading in different directions. Even if Mordecai is back, he still hasn't played in a while. And I know that that connection can work, but even when Mordecai was in there, 
uh, it wasn't like they were great, right? I, I think that Houston is the better football team. I will take the Cougars plus the three, make it official on my card. I'm going to ride with Dana Holgerson. Moving along, we have got a fun, interesting rivalry game, uh, BYU at Boise State. Now, the Broncos are a seven and a half point home favorites. The total sits at 55 and a half here. Uh, Kyle, I'm going to start with you here. This one, of course, in Albertson Stadium in Boise, 7 p.m. Eastern time on FS1. Normally, this is a much more fun matchup, I think. This one just looks eh, right? Because I think a lot of people wrote Boise off early, and now BYU, with their defensive issues, it's it certainly become just something to watch. Uh, Boise won this one 26-17 last season. Uh, BYU is 4-6 and six straight up, but 7-3 and three against the spread against Boise in the last 10 games. I, I'm curious your thoughts on this. This BYU defense just looks almost non-existent. It looks like Jaron Hall is hurt. The wide receiver Epps is out for the season. Romney may redshirt. Like, there's all kinds of things going on with Brigham Young. Uh, what do you think is going on with these two teams? Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of things going on with BYU, and none of them are good, really. So um, uh, the forecast for this game, 90% chance of rain. Uh, so keep that in mind. 11 miles per hour winds. Uh, not too bad on the winds, but it looks like it'll be a wet one. Uh, BYU's 2-7 and seven against the spread this year. Cougars have been an absolute train wreck here of late. About three games into the season, I remember looking at BYU's uh, defensive stats, and they were looking improved from last year. And it's like, okay, well, they brought back, like, everybody on defense. They returned everybody from a bad defense. And now it just turns out they've been awful the past month or so. They look worse than they did last year. Uh, Gary might have something on this, but I'm sure the splits, you know, over the last few games have just been atrocious from this BYU defense. I mean, look, Liberty with their third best quarterback put up 41 points on this team. I mean, uh, Liberty has a couple pretty good quarterbacks. The third quarterback put up 41 points on this team. And on the other side, guys, Boise State's been improving fast here of late. I mean, they've really improved a lot. Duke, Dirk Cutter, Taylor Green have made a big difference. Uh, 6.04 yards per play on offense in the Mountain West. They want to run it as much as they can, which, you know, I think is pretty great news against a BYU defense that's a bottom 10 run defense in the country. And if it's raining and you want to be a little bit more conservative, I mean, if you're just going to run it all the time with uh, Genty or Green, probably going to have a lot of success against BYU. So I expect them to score even with uh, suboptimal scoring uh, situations with the weather. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of people have said Hall looks like he's off. He definitely looks like he's injured. Um, You know, BYU offense relying heavily on big plays. And this Boise State defense is very good. I think they were expected to be good. They have been. They're fifth in success rate allowed, fourth in yards per play allowed. Defensive-minded team in general, certainly. Uh, remember what happened the last two, the last time these two met in Boise, too. Crazy. A couple of years ago, BYU rolled to that 51 to 17 win, just thumped them in the second half. I remember them kind of running up the score at the end of that game. I think Boise State probably remembers that, and I think they get them back in a game like this. Initially, I was thinking this might be one of my pizza money bets on Boise, but when I dug into this game more, I like Boise quite a bit here, so I'm going to take Boise. I like it. Official play from Kyle on that one. Uh, you're right. Boise, completely different team with the quarterback, Taylor Green, and, of course, the offense coordinator, Dirk Cutter. They're number seven PPA per drive on offense. The defense has been great as well, which it was never a question under Andy Avalos exactly how good the defense was going to be. He just had to get the offense right, and it looks like making that move in the middle of the season to bring in Dirk Cutter as the offensive coordinator. And, of course, Hank Bachmeyer transfers out. 
Taylor Green, the freshman, in at the quarterback. And yeah, it's a different offense, but it is incredibly efficient and explosive. This team is really, really good. The trends on this, Parker, I'm going to bring you in on this. Net PPA per drive over the last four weeks. Something to just gauge what the trends are, which direction teams are going uh, in the most recent games. Boise State over the last four weeks, number one in net PPA per drive. BYU is number 122. Now, this is not opponent adjusted, but something like that has to be noted here. Uh, Penalties per game, Boise number 49, BYU number 60, BYU number three in giveaways per game, Boise's number 66. Uh, but BYU is number 102 in takeaways, and Boise is number 90. So I don't know that we're going to see a lot as far as turnovers changing the game much here. This looks a lot like a Boise big win to me. I know that you got to take all the games into consideration, of course, from early in the season through now. But, man, these are two teams just flying opposite sides of each other. Like I, I am going to roll with Boise. That's my official play on this. But, Parker, I want to know what you think on it. I agree with both of you guys. I'm so glad we're getting our first ever, uh, not first ever, first this season lock where all three of us agree. And again, it's oh, yes. not a lock. It's probably, it might go wrong, but when we all agree, that makes me so happy because it makes me feel smart. And yeah, Gary, I do some time waiting just to, you know, incorporate more recent data. And I have, I have Boise up to 19th in the group of five on offense. So even accounting for some of their earlier stuff, they've grown and, and gotten a lot better there. 10th uh, on defense. And that puts them at seventh overall. This team has vastly improved on offense. Um, feels like they've gotten just uh, a chance to look in the mirror and evaluate their talent and, and be free to try some new things. And that's worked out really, really well for them. Um, this defense is excellent. Ninth in EPA per pass, 15th in EPA per rush. They're 25th in the FBS in third and fourth down success allowed. 37% is what happens when you try to run a third and fourth down play against Boise State. BYU is 82nd. Um uh, it's just not going to go well for this offense that's supposed to be the, the driver of this team that's looked kind of feckless. I believe Jaron Hall is hurt. Um, if I'm if I've if I've heard and understood this correctly, he he separated his throwing shoulder in the Utah State game and has been playing through it, and it looks bad. Um, Gary, we were talking off air that it looks like he's like grimacing sometimes when he throws, and that's just unfortunate for him. Um, but that's going to put a ceiling on this offense, especially as he tries to play. And then this defense is just. Um, going to use the F word. It's feckless. There's just nothing going for it at all. Um, they miss tackles left and right. They're missing assignments. They are just not good. They're 51st out of 66 uh, group of five teams, 116th in EPA per pass, 112th in EPA per rush. Um, the, you know, just, just, I could rattle off all of these uh, 2.96 points per drive. Uh, that's 113th worst in the nation. So this BYU defense is just digging a hole that this offense increasingly cannot dig them out of, uh, Boise state trending in the right direction, have the home advantage here, BYU sputtering a little bit, um, with a defense that just really, really cannot do anything for them. I'm agreeing with y'all. Let's take Boise state. I'm, I'm shocked that it, this opened at eight and it's down to seven and a half. Uh, unless something has happened and BYU has supercharged uh, their team, I, I don't see how they stay in this ball game. That makes all three of us official plays on Boise State minus seven and a half. Uh, we think the Broncos absolutely roll in this spot. And yeah, I love it. I like when we do the unity thing, when we all three agree on the same pick. Let's uh, let's move ahead. Another monster matchup as far as brand names are concerned. 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on NBC. We've got Clemson headed to Notre Dame and the Tigers, a four point uh, road favorite juiced at minus 105 here. The total sits at 44. 
on this, which not a lot of points for South Bend, but Notre Dame Stadium uh, has not exactly been the kindest place to the home Irish this year. Of course, uh, close win over Cal. They lose to Stanford. They lose to Marshall there. This team looks a whole lot better away from home, and yet they've got Clemson coming in. And Notre Dame, a lot of success against ACC teams recently. They are 6-0 against the spread in their last six against ACC teams. However, they are 1-5 against the spread at home, as I mentioned. Clemson, a long trend of being pretty good on the road, 20-8 and on the road against the number. Uh, gentlemen, Kyle, I'm going to start with you on this. Notre Dame coming off of a big win at Syracuse, which is the team that kept it close at Clemson just a couple weeks ago. Notre Dame, number 35 in rushing success rate over the last four weeks. Clemson's defense, surprisingly, number 88 in rushing success rate allowed over the last four weeks. Uh, it's something that I did not expect. Uh, Notre Dame not throwing the ball much. Obviously, Drew Pine, I don't think they want to rely on him a ton. They're number 91 in passing success rate, but they're only throwing the ball 36% of the time. Can you do that against Clemson? What do you think in this ballgame, Kyle? Guys, the weather forecast in this game reminds me of that 2015 game, the bring your own guts play. You know, that one That one is uh, almost exactly what the weather looks like in this one. There was a hurricane going away in that one, and uh, no hurricane here, obviously, in South Bend. But 25 miles per hour wind with heavy rain tapering to showers throughout the game. It uh, looks like maybe this one will be late enough that it won't be heavy rain during the game, but the weather is going to matter in this game for sure. That's why we've seen a massive line move down on the under. I probably should have taken the under earlier, kind of kicking myself for that one, but uh, the total has crashed here for good reason. We'll say that. Notre Dame scored 41 points against Syracuse, so you say, man, they must have been really good on offense. They really weren't that good on offense in that game. 4.8 yards per play and 116 passing yards, 9 for 19 passing. Um, I think they had 50 rushes in one half in that game, the first half. So, uh, you know, it was like insane, man. You know, I'm probably quoting it wrong, but they had a ton of runs. Uh, Notre Dame did just running it over and over and over again. Um, Syracuse picked six early and then poor quarterback play from the backup after Schrader was hurt. You know, Schrader's very inconsistent, but the backup was even worse. So um, that's a not 50 carries, 25 carries in the first half against Cuse. I'll tell you what, 50 <laughs> would have been epic. Right. If there had been 50 yes. carries in one half, I was I right as I was saying, that, I was like, man, that would that would be like record breaking. Um, no, but it was 25 <laughs> carries in one half, which is still pretty impressive uh, running like that uh, against a Syracuse defensive front. I think that works probably better than it would against uh, Clemson, even with Clemson's recent uh, numbers. Tigers are still um, yards per carry 3.14 allowed in the ACC and they're 17th in defensive habit created. Uh, from the front seven. So I think this is a backfield. Uh, they'll get in the backfield some against Notre Dame here would be my thought. Notre Dame does have a good offensive line, but I think Clemson's defensive line is kind of meeting its match, uh, uh, making Notre Dame meet its match better than what they're used to seeing, certainly. And uh, Notre Dame really on defense has not been very good against the run. Notre Dame 84th in rushing play success rate allowed, 10th in pass play success rate allowed. So Clemson is going to be thrilled to run the football in this game. You know, there's there's going to be no chance that they're going to want to throw the football in the wind and rain and all that. Uh, you know, these kind of conditions probably help Clemson, if anything, I would say, because they're they're the better running team. They have the better defensive line, in my opinion. Like Gary said, they haven't always shown it here this year. But if you know the run's coming, you kind of hope they would be able to stop it. So under Clemson would be the way I'd go in this one. 
I, I tend to agree with you on this. Uh, while I did talk about the rushing success rate allowed by Clemson, they are still number 16 in stuff rate uh, thus far this season. I mean, that looms large in a situation like this where you fully expect Notre Dame to have to run the ball over and over again. Uh, Notre Dame is number 24 in standard down success rate, but if they get behind the chains, they're number 91 in passing downs. I this looks like a spot that sets up really well for Clemson, especially coming off of a very welcome bye week. Uh, everybody remembers back in 2020, DJU's second start ever was a loss at Notre Dame, 47 to 40. And uh, and that, of course, led to both Notre Dame and Clemson making it into the playoff that season. Can DJU get his mojo back? You know, Parker, I, I definitely want your opinion on this. He had a bad outing against Syracuse. Uh, Dabo, swears it is DJ's team. They just needed a spark. You know, is there going to be a short leash in this situation on the road where, you know, every game matters towards their ultimate goal, which is, of course, the playoff and a national championship at their number 82 PPA per drive on offense the last four weeks? I think playing that gauntlet of teams that they did all in a row with Florida State and NC State's defense and Syracuse there uh, towards the end of it, et cetera, uh, playing all of that, and and still having your defense rolling, um, having Shipley play really well at running back, et cetera, I, all of that kind of leads you to this spot. What what do you see between these two? I'm I'm laughing because Dabo did not only say that it was it was DJ's team after the game. He compared DJ to Steph Curry, <laughs> saying that Steph Curry goes two for twenty five sometimes. Which someone went up and looked on Twitter that in fact Steph Curry has never gone two for twenty five for <laughs> shooting uh, threes in a game. Um, guys, I I, I want to talk about Clemson, but I just have to say this and get this off my chest. It feels un-American that Notre Dame is so bad against the run on both offense and defense. <laughs> and it's been a problem for a couple of years. They've had good running backs, and last year they couldn't get it going. And this year, they're 107th in EPA per rush. They're 99th in EPA on, on offense, 99th in EPA per rush on defense. Here's the deal. Kyle, you talked about run pass selection. Gary, I'm going to apply that to one of your stats. Clemson has been so bad against the rush. I'm, I'm using bad. I'm using the scare quotes. Because teams have... <laughs> passed 10% more on average against Clemson than they would an average team. And so because of game state and because they're trying to test that secondary, they want to get away from the run defense. So they're only rushing in advantageous situations. That's going to make that success rate look a little bit better here. Here's okay. This is going to get wonky. It's going to get weird, but you're going to understand why I'm going to take Clemson, right? So if you want to go ahead and go back Clemson and let me, let me say my thing and then come back. That's great. But versus (laughs) uh, Syracuse on the season coming into the Notre Dame game, Teams were rushing 3.7 percentage points more than average against them. Notre Dame ran 19.9 percentage points more against Syracuse than an average team did, accounting for down distance and yard line. They averaged on the season negative 0.071 EPA per rush against Syracuse, 0.055, positive 0.055. They found a weakness. They exploited it. And we discount teams who run against bad, de- bad rushing defenses. That is not a good predictor of success. They're not going to be able to replicate that against Clemson. And if the weather's bad, that means they're going to abandon the pass game more. They're going to get behind. I would look at a team total of Notre Dame here um, and take an under of whatever you could get. I don't know how they're going to move the ball because they relied on a really bad, um, a, a really big matchup advantage they had and ran the ball a ton uh, against Syracuse. I don't think they're going to be able to do that against Clemson, who is the 21st best EPA per rush defense in the nation. 
Um, Clemson 17th in the G5 in, or excuse me, in the power five in um, opponent adjusted defense as well. So Notre Dame, the success they've had this season has been running against bad rushing defenses. That doesn't inspire me. Clemson is not a bad rushing defense. Uh, I don't know how Notre Dame is going to move the ball on the other side. Let's not pretend like Cade Klubinek came in and did anything other than get an unsportsmanlike penalty that extended a drive and then let them get a short field score. <laughs> That's all he did. He threw four passes. He ran some uh, 4.8 yards per attempt, 50% completion, only completed two of them. So uh, I, I don't know if there is like this magic wand of, of coming in. The issue with DJU that I really hated and what makes me a little nervous about the weather is that he looked like 2021 DJU where he just threw the ball all over the place and with, with reckless abandon. He was, you know, he was fine in terms of his median outcome, but he kept having these just galaxy brain, terrible, awful negative plays, 9.1% turnover worthy play against Syracuse. Um, he had something in his head. So I think that we've seen him earlier this season not be so reckless. I think he'll be a little more guarded, avoid that big turnover. Not exactly like Notre Dame's defense is, is a group of ball hawks this season. Um, Clemson and Notre Dame will both run the ball a lot. Notre Dame won't be able to do that successfully. Clemson will ride on Will Shipley, exploit this 99th worst, uh, 99th best EPA per rush defense. I like Clemson here. I would have taken this up to seven. I love it. I love it. it. Boss Hog jumped in in the chat. I love when Parker comes with the numbers. I mean, it's awesome. <laughs> like, it's you. You got very excited about that, and I can understand it. My my issue with the team total, right? Which looks like it's going to be around twenty. Uh, those team totals that come out at BetUS, uh, typically closer to the weekend. Uh, it's going to be about twenty for Notre Dame. The issue would be turnovers, right? That's the big issue for me because while they've been really, really good all season. Man, that Syracuse thing just awoken something in me that makes me terrified of this team. <laughs> so uh, I do agree with you, and I think that once we get closer to game time, I am probably going to decide a pizza money bet with you on Clemson here. Uh, but, yeah, let's let's make it official. Parker, Clemson, minus four, loves them to handle the Irish in South Bend. Moving along, uh, let me – oh, let me go ahead and remind everybody. I see a lot of people watching. We need some more likes here. We hit 100. Let's Let's jump up to 150. Uh, before we jump into the Q&A, for sure. And, hey, if we can get to 200, that'd be even better. Certainly would like that. Uh, subscribe to the channel if you want to be a part of the chat. Of course, you can toss in your questions for the Q&A here. Uh, we've got many, many games to hit. We are going to hit on tonight's action at the very beginning of the Q&A, so you don't have to worry about that. But uh, along with that, of course, we will have more shows next week, etc. Tuesday and Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern time, right here. Make sure you are subscribed and hit that notification bell. Uh, the podcast as well. Subscribe to the podcast. All right. Moving along. ACC matchup. Primetime ABC. 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Florida State. An eight-point favorite on the road at Miami. Of course, in Miami Gardens. Hard Rock Stadium. Uh, I would say it's going to be rocking, but, I mean, I haven't seen that place rocking all year. Uh, the total is 52.5 here. Now, this is, of course, the latest numbers at BetUS. Florida State won last year 31-28. to uh, Kyle, I want to start with you on this. Florida State is 5-0 and against the spread on the road in their last five. Miami is 0-7 against the spread in their last seven overall. Uh, this Miami team has had trouble scoring. They've had trouble stopping teams. They're not very good against the run. There's all kinds of things that you can point at. What are you seeing between the Seminoles and, of course, the Hurricanes? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're to assume that Van Dyke will play in this game. Uh, Miami better hope he does play in this one. That was certainly <laughs> ugly against Virginia. But, Gary, kind of like you just said there, 
Um, this Miami team has done kind of whatever they would do to keep games close or to make it ugly. You know, sometimes it's been their defense has been bad. Sometimes it's been their offense has been bad. Uh, just uh, inconsistent team that finds a way to to at least not cover. Florida State in, in yards per play margin is sixth in the country, plus 2.17. Pretty shocking that they could be sixth in the country. Miami is negative 0.8, uh, 84th in the country. So a massive difference, and I think that's just kind of indicative of how badly things have gone in, in Cristobal's first season. It's It's been really bad. Uh, Florida State has really upgraded their offensive line quite a bit. They're 12th in yards per carry and 17th in rushing play success rate. 13th in explosiveness on offense. So a lot of big plays on the ground from Florida State this year. I think Jordan Travis is underrated as a quarterback. Um, and he's gotten better as a passer. He's very good as a runner. Uh, Miami's defense is based on a good success rate basis. Uh, you know, if you just look at success rate, you think they're pretty decent. But six plays of 60 yards or more, seven plays of 50 yards or more allowed so far this year. You can't be a really good defense and give up that many big plays. It's just uh, no way that you can give up that many big plays. Um, Florida State's defense is the opposite. They give up quite a bit of success, but not giving up big plays. Um, they're better against the run than the pass. With Miami's offensive line problems, I don't think they can just line it up and run it down Florida State's throat. It would surprise me quite a bit. Um, so when I first uh, looked at this game, I assumed I wasn't going to have any real lean in this one. But, you know, I, I dig deeper into it. I kind of like Florida State. I think this uh, Florida State team looks like they may be a bit undervalued when you look uh, at, at more of the metrics. And, and uh, Florida State, you know, appears to me to have some pretty good team chemistry going on. I don't know what's going on with Miami right now. Uh, I think you could question exactly what's going on with that team. Cristobal uh, may not have a great handle on that team right now. And, and Cristobal's teams in the past, too, have had some confusing losses, even in better situations. So uh, I trust Florida State more. I think I trust Norvell more than I trust Cristobal as well. So I'm, I'm going to lean Florida State in this game. And I, I like which way you're leaning there. Uh, Parker, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you in before I dive into what I like in this ballgame. Miami, their offense is averaging 19.75 points per game over the last four games. They're number 116 in the country in giveaways per game. They've only gone two games this season without a turnover. Uh, Van Dyke, again, like Kyle said, it looks like he's going to be back, but I don't necessarily know what that means because it's not like he was very good when he was playing. Um, their defense, you know, like Kyle was talking about, number 82 PPA per rush the last four weeks. Florida State's offense is number nine in that spot. I, I, I see a lot of things here, and I'm curious if you see the same thing. What are you looking at in this one? Um, I'll, I'll be brief here. Miami is um, negative 90 points compared to this consensus spread this season. That is worse in the nation. Their season point differential is 90 points worse than the consensus spread. That's that's more than anybody else. Um, they have a lot of issues. Florida State has gotten out of that um, uh, offensive line hole, which is very hard to do. So props to Norvell for doing this. Florida State um, averaging you know positive 0.08 EPA per play on offense. That's 16th in the power five. Uh, Miami's offense is averaging negative 0.013. That's 41st. You don't need a statistics degree to understand that creating negative value on average on offense is very bad. And that's what Miami is doing here. I would lean towards Florida State. I'll call it some pizza money for Florida State. The only reason that I'm not making this an official play is it's a rivalry game and stupid stuff happens in college football. And I just got something in the pit of my stomach about it would be very funny 
if Miami and Mario Cristobal won this game. And sometimes <laughs> life works like that. I think the lineup and lose all the stats say they should lose, but rivalry games get a little bit weird. So I'll bet some pizza money and hold my breath and then hopefully regret it when, uh, when Florida state covers that I, that I didn't put more for them in this game. Yeah. I, so I, I will say this, Mark jumped in, uh, no need to lay eight. It's already ticking down on the Van Dyke news. Yeah, it, it'll come down because once they announce that, yeah, Van Dyke's been cleared, et cetera, that line's going to but you know come down a bit because there are people that just blindly bet when a quarterback is returning, et cetera. Uh, when I look at this, I, I, had to, I had to pull up the numbers again. This net PPA per drive that I was talking about, about basically how these teams are trending over the last four weeks. Florida State is number 13 in that spot, in net PPA per drive. Miami is number 60, which is... A little bit better than I assumed, but I, I look at these matchups here, right? Florida State has gone through the gauntlet of Wake Forest, NC State, Clemson, and then they just whipped Georgia Tech coming off of a bye. It, Florida State has shown up big time against bad teams, and that's exactly what Miami is right now. This is a bad football team. Florida State getting a lot of guys healthy and whatnot. They're coming back, et cetera. I, the matchup I love the most here is Florida State's wide receivers against Miami's secondary. You can look at those secondary numbers, the passing defense numbers for Miami, and you might could talk yourself into them, et cetera. But this looks like a complete mismatch to me between these two. I really, really like Florida State and what they're doing here. I like Jordan Travis. He seems much more dependable this season than he did last season. Besides the numbers, just looking at the players on the field, I think that's where Florida State has a big advantage, one, in the trenches, and two, wide receivers versus that secondary. So I will certainly take this. I know it's at eight. It may come down. Uh, I like this into double digits because I really like Florida State. I'm going to make it official. Give me the Seminoles to cover the eight, even on the road here. They, I think they are the significantly better team. All right, last ball game that we will discuss for the day. We're moving to the Mountain West. This is a 9.30 p.m. Eastern time kick. Colorado State heads to San Jose State. CEFCU Stadium in San Jose here. And the Spartans are a 24-point home favorite. The total sits at 44-and-a-half. Now, normally you would think 44-and-a-half. I mean, you got to roll with the underdog in this spot, right? And not if the underdog can't score. And that's kind of what we're looking at here. Parker, I'm going to start with you on it. Uh, Colorado State won this matchup last year 32-14, to which was mind-boggling when you look at what these two teams are now. Of course, Steve Adazio was there last year. Now Jay Norville has been hired in. He runs an air raid kind of thing. They don't have the roster built for it yet. And San Jose State has got some dudes on this defensive line. Uh, give me give me some thoughts on this. I mean, this Colorado State team is so bad on offense. Uh, I, I'm curious what you think. It's going to be a really long day for Colorado State. I feel bad about that because I like the Norvell hire, and I kind of had this fantasy in my head uh, this offseason of, like, Jay Norvell using a Steve Adazio roster and, like, running the air raid with three tight ends. And uh, <laughs> I just uh, just haven't worked out very well at all. Uh, they're, they're definitely going to need some roster churn this offseason. They basically can get it to Torrey Horton. Uh, he leads the team with almost 70 targets, but then they can't get it to anybody else. The next closest guy has 20 targets. It's like boom or bust. Can I just get it to one guy and maybe move the ball? But 122nd EPA per pass, 128th in EPA per rush for Colorado State against the defense that ranks eight in the in the group of five in, in EPA per play, 11th overall in FCS in pass, 19th in rushing, ninth in uh, in echo rate. So 37.5 of opponents 
drives into the quality possession for San Jose State. That's absolutely incredible. Colorado State, on the other hand, 128th, only averaging 34.2. Very bad team against a very good, legitimate defense. Um, on the other side, I don't love San Jose State's offense, um, per se. Uh, that's definitely kind of a split there. They haven't been as um, as potent as you would hope. That's really kind of held them back this season. They're 51st in EPA per pass, 75th in EPA per rush, uh, 65th overall in success rate. So pretty middling, but they have a really good defense. They should win this comfortably, although 24 and a half points is so much. Again, we talk about this all the time. Once you start getting above that like 23, 24 line, I, I, am I betting that Colorado State doesn't scoop and score on a blocked extra point or something and completely roll my roll my bet away like I just I, when I project the team to have so low points like I do Colorado State makes me nervous to bet these big lines just because again one stupid college football play can ruin your bet and let me tell you there is no shortage of stupid college football plays this season <laughs> uh, you're you're 100% right uh, Cordero is serviceable here um, number 61 PPA per pass I mean you brought up all the numbers I, I think the best trait for him and for this offense though is they are only number two in giveaways per game in the entire country on the season. They don't turn the football over. I think that's been a staple of Brent Brennan teams for a long time, other than, of course, last year, the last season of Nick Starkle before he got hurt. Uh, I mean, that team was giving the ball to the opponent frequently. Uh, you look at this, this, I think the biggest thing in this ball game is Colorado State's offense is so bad, but their defense is not awful. They're number 35 in PPA per drive. Uh, San Jose State, number 18 in net points per drive. Colorado State, number 125. Um, the offenses are number 66 and number 59 in plays per game. Uh, excuse me, 66 plays per game and 59 plays per game. That's number 93 and number 129. So they kind of move at a snail's pace here. Uh, Kyle, you know, uh, the only bright spot really for Colorado State was the running back, Morrow, and he's banged up. So, I, I mean, 44 and a half feels like a ton of points. Um I think I think this deserves an underplay. It, I would think, but I'm curious your thoughts here. Yeah, it's getting an underplay from me. Uh, you know, 45 is what it was. I hated to see the drop here this morning. 45 certainly a, a common number. So hopefully we don't get burnt by that hook that that came off it here earlier before the show. Having said that, the Colorado State offense. I mean, yikes! 131st in success rate on offense overall. 130th in rushing play success rate. Like you said, Gary, they had one good running back. And, and he's banged up. 130th in pass play success rate. They want to run it, but their offensive line is, uh, at this point, very weak in both run blocking grade and uh, pass blocking grade. And the absolute strength of the San Jose State defense is their defensive line. I think they're going to cause some major problems for them. And let's let's be honest, the Colorado State passing options are, number one, get the ball to Torrey Horton. And number two, there is no number two. So, you know, that, that's that's it. You know, get the ball to Torrey Horton or throw it to the other team or throw it away. Uh, San Jose State's offense is averaging just 3.04 yards per carry, so they can't exactly run it very well. I think when they have the lead, which I expect them to have the lead, when they're just trying to burn time at the end, I think that's a really big positive for the under here in a game like this because Colorado State's um, actually all right in the front seven on defense. In fact, you know, I think Colorado State's defense isn't really even that bad. They've been, been put in some terrible positions by this offense. I mean, they, it's not really fair to call Colorado State's defense a bad defense. 4.2 yards per carry allowed. San Jose State has only had 13 plays of 30 yards or more so far this year, so they're not explosive. 
They play relatively slowly. Uh, despite getting their teeth kicked in routinely, uh, Colorado State is 30.06 seconds between snaps. So they're playing really slow. Uh, they know that they don't, you know, playing fast is not going to be good for them. They're that bad. So they've slowed things down. San Jose State has sh- shown that they're willing to slow things down with a big lead. I expect them to lead throughout in this game. And the under 7-1 and one in Colorado State's eight games this year, uh, many of those have not been very close. So I'm going to take the under. I love it. Official play, Kyle, with the under 44.5. Saw a couple of guys in the chat talking about team total under for Colorado State. Uh, it, it looks like it'll be around 10.5, maybe 10. If you can keep it in double digits, then yes. If that thing drops to like 9.5, uh, the, the exact stuff that Parker was talking about, right? It, we have seen stupid college football plays happen routinely, especially in games like this where you would almost guarantee that there will be garbage time. So it, just tread lightly when you see the team total unders of around 10, nine and a half, something like that. But, uh, but I would certainly lean that direction. So Kyle official play under 44 and a half. That brings us to gentlemen, the Q and a, and we have got a lot of questions to dive into today. Before we begin though, uh, I do see a lot of people watching, maybe some new people, if you've not already subscribed to the channel for one, but hit that like button for us. We're trying to get to 200 by the end of the show, and you would certainly be helping us out quite a bit. But yeah, subscribe to the channel. It lets you into the chat so that you can, of course, ask the questions for the Q&A. We are going to start with the Maction Talk. Now, we have got two ball games for tonight. Central Michigan and Northern Illinois, and Western Michigan and Bowling Green. We'll start off with Central Michigan, the Chippewas, a six-point road dog here. Um... Northern Illinois, you know, the favorite, the total sits at 57. We did have a guy jump in and ask, uh, what do we think this line is? What do we think this total is with or without Rocky Lombardi? First off, Parker, let me get some opinions here. I I don't know if Lombardi is going to play. I think it's, I think every week it's basically just a game time decision at this point. Uh, This team is significantly better with Lombardi. And I think they have to assume that he's playing because it looks like Hampton, the other quarterback, is going to be out. Um, but I'm, I'm curious your thoughts here. I, I don't have a lean here. My number on this was, uh, Northern Illinois by five. So I, I got nothing. I got nothing on it. What do you see in this one? Um, I think it's still true. Cause he played against, yeah, he played against Eastern Michigan that Northern Illinois has not won a game without Rocky Lombardi in like the last 20 or something ridiculous. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, if he plays, maybe you're looking at Northern Illinois because he certainly can raise their elevation. Um, again, not breaking news, but just saying generally it is kind of like, hey, man, how you feeling? And he's been able to play a little bit more. So uh, I haven't heard a definitive news one way or the other. Um, uh, again, I, I mean, and I use the home team. I feel like I always favor that. And Central Michigan has just been pretty underwhelming this season overall. So if Rocky Lombardi's playing, I would I would lean towards NIU. Otherwise, I'd probably just pass on the game entirely. Kyle, what about you? Do you see anything with the total? Uh, is it just something that you can't really touch it based on who may or may not be playing? I mean, I, I got nothing on this one. <laughs> yeah, I think this is an incredibly difficult game to bet. Maybe if Lombardi comes out and is playing, it can bet them live or something because uh, Lombardi is a big upgrade over Hampton or Jordan Lynch. I believe Lynch is his name. Um, you know, I got burned a couple weeks ago taking a Northern Illinois over against, uh, I believe it was Ohio, and Lombardi had played the previous game, and then he didn't play that game. And as soon as he wasn't playing, I figured I had lost, and I, I did. Um, that, that's one where, to me, I'd rather wait and see what's happening than I would bet something pre-flop. 
Uh, I think minus six is probably too low if Lombardi is playing, but if he's not playing, I'm not interested in laying six points. That's for sure. So um, really no lean for me before the game. How surprising is the Central Michigan team? They have not been good this year. And I mean, Parker, you and I were sold on this team winning the MAC, winning at least their division this year. And they have just done nothing. That offensive line is not good. I know they lost some guys to the NFL, but whew, that was rough. Rough. Uh, we'll move along. Uh, move along to the next ball game. Western Michigan, of course, headed to Bowling Green. Bowling Green, a five-point favorite here. The total sits at forty-eight and a half. Um, again, this is one where my number on it was Bowling Green minus four and a half. It's at five right now. I I don't have value on it. Um, I, I don't know about the total. Uh, Kyle, is there any weather in this ball game? I, I, <laughs> I'm going to no, get Parker no. laughing again. Uh, not, I, I, not that I know of. No. Yeah, I don't think anything there, and, and I haven't seen anything as far as injuries, et cetera. This just looks like a pretty good line to me, and the matching stuff, I mean, it, we saw it last night. Like I, I had felt like I might have had a little bit of a lean on Ball State. I might have had a little bit of a lean on Ohio, uh, but I got nothing on these two. I mean, it's right on the number. So, Kyle, you, you feel anything on, on either of these teams? Well, I, I trust Bowling Green a little bit more than I trust Western Michigan, but you know, Bowling Green has been pretty inconsistent too. I mean, to say, to say that a MAC team is inconsistent, I mean, you know what? <laughs> it's like you know, obvious. You know, I'm Captain Obvious over here. But no, I mean, I'm not terribly far away from Bowling Green, and it's it's a fine day here. Uh, you know, 57 degrees at game time, four miles per hour wind. So you know, this is not. Uh, anything where weather should have anything to do with it. I thought I'd want to bet the under in this game, but then they put out the number lower than I expected. So just a lean to the under for me, thinking that, I mean, Western Michigan's offense has been a mess this year. Bowling Green uh, have had some games where they can move the ball and then some games where they couldn't at all. I think Bowling Green's defense is probably a bit better than their numbers look for the the season overall. So uh, I'll lean to the under in this one. Parker, what about you in this one? Uh, as Kyle just said, that Western Michigan offense is just, yeah, that not not good for Tim Lester's bunch. What do, what do you see here? You know, if Jack Salpak really puts his mind to it, he could take over the lead at the FBS interceptions and, and break uh, Kyle Van Tree's death grip on, on the lead right now at 12. <laughs> take the over. These defenses stink. There's no weather. They're just going to score. It's going to be crazy. That's fine. Take an over. Do some pizza money on the over. That's hey, it, there's worse things that you can do than bet the over in Maxion, right? So I could understand it. I could understand. All right, let's move along. Uh, let's jump into this. Dalton Chandler says, uh, oh, how does the end? That was, okay, first question there. Uh, how about this? Josh says, thoughts on Baylor versus Oklahoma. Parker, let's start with you on this. Um, this is an interesting game. Uh, first time I believe we've had Oklahoma on ESPN Plus, so you have to be streaming to be able to find them. Um, and Oklahoma did look better last week against Iowa State. They are a three and a half point favorite here with a total of 61 and a half. Uh, both teams, pretty good wins last week. You got a feel on it. Um, I Yeah, so so obviously aggregate numbers are going to be a little confused about Oklahoma just because they were so bad without Dylan Gabriel for a stretch there, and that defense certainly has problems. They're 48th in Power 5 defense right now. Um, Baylor is 18th. 
uh, excuse me, Baylor is 30, 34th on defense, so they're not far far behind. Oklahoma's 18th on offense. Baylor's 23rd on offense. Baylor is two, Gavin, I think I said this on the show yesterday. I'm repeating myself. Baylor's two, Gavin, home drops away from being like a very good team this year in that Oklahoma State game. Um, they messed up in the, they, they probably should have won that BYU game, and they were a little too conservative and kind of played themselves out of it. So I think they're a very solid team with, with uh, a gear this season that they haven't tapped into. When I sit by hand and, you know, I try and imitate Kyle and do my hand by hand power ratings of each unit for the Big 12, because I'm familiar with those teams, Baylor Great Side is the best for me right now. So I think they're a really solid team. Um, and I don't I don't think that means that I'd pick them to beat anyone on the field anywhere. But in terms of being a complete team, they're about as balanced and good as, as anyone. So I, I'm certainly inclined to bet Dave Aranda on the road. Um, that being said, o- Oklahoma is good and um, is getting better. And I think the aggregate numbers are a little bit misleading here. So, um, you know, if, if this gets to, what, it's at three and a half, maybe if it gets to four, uh, my only lean would be Baylor as a, as a uh, you know, Aranda's done pretty well against Oklahoma. So I would, I would, I would lean towards Baylor here if I had to pick. Yeah. I was going to say, we didn't, we see this defensive matchup uh, against Jeff Levy in the sugar bowl last year. And yeah, yeah Matt Corral got hurt, got, but got hurt. yeah, it's it just, just something to pay attention to, you know, it, it, these two teams uh, obviously know each other and in uh, these coaching staffs know each other. So uh, Scott Young jumps in. Uh, Kyle, any thoughts on Marshall and Old Dominion? Uh, Marshall is a three-point favorite on the road. Uh, and I don't believe that we covered this, although it feels like I've talked about it at some point already. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm curious your thoughts on this. Uh, Marshall, uh, bad offense, good defense. Old Dominion just kind of all over the place here. Any, uh, any thoughts? Yeah, Gary's being nice when he says bad offense, good defense. I mean, a terrible offense, really good defense. Um, Marshall games make very little sense. You know, I I wouldn't want to lay points with Marshall. I mean, what would excite you about laying three points with Marshall? At the same time, not excited to bet Old Dominion. My favorite bet here would be the under, uh, thinking that Marshall just mucks up another game. So um, Marshall lenders have been good to me this year, and that's certainly my pretty strong lean in this game. When this one is over a key number of 45, it's uh, 46 and a half. So something to pay attention to on it. Uh, Raphael jumps in. Does uh, Penn State cover this week? 14 against Illinois, Indiana. That's America. Uh, Parker, you got you to gotta feel on this one. I'm not going to be able to talk because I was trying to figure out what the analogous mascot matchup of Indiana and Illinois would be like a lion eye or something. I don't know. I'm very dumb for saying that out loud. Um, I have Penn State by 16. I think that's fine. Their defense is really good. And um, and Indiana's offense is not good and it's getting worse. Um, and then, you know, Penn State should, again, interceptions are largely a quarterback's fault, not necessarily a defense's fault. So they're a little turnover prone for me to trust them to not, you know, make a play late. That, that really that really throws this. But on the merits, blind resume, uh, I would lean towards Penn State covering here. Indiana 107th in offensive EPA per play, 79th in defensive EPA per play. And notably in defense, 105th uh, against the past. That's not going to go well um, for for them on Saturday. So I'd be fine leaning leaning towards Penn State there. That uh that that makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. Maybe Penn State a little bounce back. Uh, Kyle, Steve Williams jumps in. Iowa at Purdue. Now this one's an interesting interesting line to me because Purdue is favored by four and a half and the total sits at forty one. Now you're not going to get an Iowa total that's even anything close to fifty. Um, Purdue is just kind of all over the place. You you got to read on this one. Um, 
both the last game that we mentioned, Indiana being uh, 17 miles per hour with rain uh, forecast, and then this one, uh, 25 miles per hour with rain through the game. So uh, pretty big weather games here. Uh, the line has been bet down on the totals, and, and I would understand that certainly. Iowa games are, are tough to bet, you know, as, especially on a side. Uh, you know, what are we going to get from Iowa's offense? We know it'll be bad. How bad? You know, they're going to turn it over, pick sixes. Um, my lean would be Purdue. Uh, it's just I don't trust Purdue a lot when they have to run the football because Purdue is a passing team. You know, it's going to be kind of hard to pass it in 25 miles per hour wind with rain. So if that actually comes to fruition, I don't think it's great for Purdue, but I'm not excited to bet Iowa either. I I would not want to be somebody that bets on Iowa. I will, I'm just I will not excited that. about Iowa about anything, yeah. uh, let alone betting. I'm not excited about watching Iowa. <laughs> uh, Andrew Schroeder jumped in on the chat. He said, in light of the Cam Rising incident last week, where do you guys get your most updated injury news? Um, there's multiple different websites. I would say that the best thing that you're going to get is following a team's beat writers on Twitter um, and making any kind of contacts that you can across this college football sphere. Because honestly, a lot of the updated quote unquote injury lines that are out there, uh, it's, it's all up to the coach and the coach doesn't have to say anything like uh, with cam rising. You would not have found that really anywhere, including the team's beat writers because they were even sidelined by like they, they had no idea what was going on with that. Uh, in a situation like that, I mean, we had the same thing happen with James Madison just a few weeks ago when Todd Santillo uh, did not play. It, stuff like that, it, it doesn't matter what website you go to or who you're following or anything like that. It's just not going to make any difference. So uh, Kenneth Dalton jumps in. Any leans on Kansas State versus Texas? Hey, uh, Parker, you got any thoughts on the Longhorns? Um, sequencing has really not been Texas's friend this year. They're, they're so efficient, um, on like the average play to play down and then they just make a mistake. And so like, if you run nine successful plays and then your 10th play, you turn around and punt the ball to the back of the end zone, you're still going to have an, a high EPA per play. And Texas has effectively been doing that. Um, I, I have this slightly favored towards Kansas state. I think Texas is a more complete team. Um, but Kansas State has been really well adapted to playing a different kind of offense with with Skyler, uh, wrong guy, Will Howard, and um, they look the same. Uh, <laughs> that that defense is legit if everyone is healthy. Um, I wonder if we don't see Steve Sarkeesian try and take the pressure off Quinn Ewers and run the ball a whole lot more. They're 55th in rush rate over expected. That's negative 2.3 percentage points more than less less than average. Um, I wonder if they just don't try and completely eschew the, the the passing defense here of Kansas State, which is very good, and try and attack that rushing defense, which is 65th. Um, I, I think they're glad to have had uh, Kansas State get that breakout, and I think Texas is glad to have film from TCU against this Kansas State defense. Um, and, and I expect them to do well here. I have this as a complete toss-up. So I'd be inclined to take Texas as the favorite on the road here, but Kansas State's been playing really, really well. I, I like that answer. Uh, Texas to me has to prove it before I bet on them. So, uh, they have not done that thus far, especially on the road, but I, I am curious in that ball game. I want another data point on Quinn Ewers. I know we're getting close to the end of the season, but, uh, yeah, I, I need a little more from that guy. Boss hog jumps in. Will Cincinnati cover 19 and a half against Navy Kyle. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Ty Lavatai uh, is dealing with an injury. My number on this was closer to like 14 and a half or 15 in favor of Cincinnati, but without Navy's quarterback, I don't think that that team is 
nearly as efficient as they had shown uh, over the past few weeks. You uh, you got anything on this one? Yeah, so I think Lavatai got hurt in the middle of the game against Temple, and then they couldn't do anything even against Temple. So uh, I wouldn't count on Navy's offense being successful here, but I also don't get excited about laying almost three touchdowns against a Navy team that stalls and runs a triple option um, under probably my lean in this one. Parker, Mac Mac jumps in and who he wants to know who wins between Texas A&M and Florida this weekend. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that line is three. There we go. Uh, A&M minus three is minus 115 over at BetUS. You, uh, you got a feel on, on Jimbo and Billy Napier. I mean, can Texas A&M's defense hold Florida to 28 points? Because that's basically the max that their offense is going to score. I mean, I think that they did a little bit better last week, but like, I, I feel like I'm making comments about normative stuff here, so I'll be delicate. Um, I don't know they're handling QB situation very good in Texas A&M, and I don't know if we have a fully healthy quarterback um, for, for Texas A&M there. Um, doesn't look like there's the offense is going to change um, very much. And I, I, I'd be inclined to believe situationally that a Florida team is going to be more likely to not quit in the second half, whereas Texas A&M might be quicker to kind of lay off there. So I would, I would lean kind of in the rah-rah factor, if you will, towards Florida here. Um, I have this as about one and a half for Texas A&M, but I don't trust that offense to score enough to, to, to outpace this Florida team at all. I'm, I'm in the same boat. That is a complete stay away from me on it. Uh, Heath Harrelson said, Gary, any thoughts on James Madison and Louisville? Uh, can you tell me if Todd Centillo is going to play? Um, and on top of that, I, I think we might have bought a little too much into the James Madison hype. Just a touch. Louisville, Malik Cunningham did play insanely well against Wake Forest. You go back and watch that game, and they I know Wake Forest turned the ball over eight times, but Louisville caused a lot of that. And if I'm going to get that version of Louisville, yeah, seven and a half points is not nearly enough to bet the Cardinals. Uh, I think, I think I would ride Louisville here, even if Centio plays. But, I mean, James Madison looks really efficient. The numbers look great, and that thing opened, I think, at nine, nine and a half, and it was immediately bet down. I think it's been sitting at seven and a half. Um, I would, I would lean Louisville, but I don't like betting on things that I'm not sure of, like who is going to play, right? So once I figure out who's actually going to play in the ball game. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It makes uh, makes sense to me. Uh, Benjamin Borich jumps in. Iowa State, seven points against West Virginia. It seems fishy. How are you guys evaluating this game? Kyle, uh, Iowa State is yet to have a Big 12 victory. West Virginia is kind of all over the place. Of course, got blasted at Texas Tech, uh, but put up a fight against TCU last week. Which version of these teams shows up this week? This is this would be low on my list of games I want to bet this week, uh, very low. So um, anything I say here is certainly just a slight lean. Um, Iowa State games are different than your average Big 12 games. They definitely try to, to slow it down, make it an uglier game. Uh, can they get this to be an under against West Virginia? I guess I lean that way, but West Virginia has been an over team. As far as the side, I don't want to lay seven points with Iowa State, but West Virginia has, has really disappointed me on defense. So. Um, I don't know. I just I, I slightly in under, but I, I'd pass on this game. Parker, Dominic Jefferson jumps into South Florida, get their second win and cover against Temple. Uh, we hit that yesterday. Go to the Q&A from yesterday. I know Dominic was watching. Can I just yesterday. say out loud, <laughs> if Marshall 
if Marshall's defense and South Florida's offense like formed a team, they could probably win the American Conference. Yeah, like they are just two very imbalanced teams. I think earlier on the show, I said something about South Florida not being able to score to save their lives. And what I meant was South Florida not being able to stop someone from scoring to save their lives. That defense is awful. I don't trust them as far as I can throw them. (laughs) Hey, Parker, let's stay on you on this. Uh, Rafael jumps in with North Texas against Florida International. Uh, 21 points. Of course, Northern Illinois favored by, uh, not Northern, North Texas, excuse me. Um, FIU's looked a whole lot better here lately, but man, North Texas is just rolling teams. You, uh, you got a feeling on this one? Um, no, I have this as what, 14, 19 and a half. So we're talking, you know, we're quibbling a little bit about game state here. I just don't see a lot of value in this one because there's so much uncertainty with Florida International. And really, I mean, I'm down on UNT's defense. Like, they're 98th in EPA per play. If Florida International can score, uh, they could score against this 98th best defense. So um, I, I think that's that's pretty fair to say that I, I just don't see a lot of value on either side here because that line is so big. But again, I'm not going to bet on the uncertainty of Florida International repeating, you know, kind of the fluky bounces they've gotten. I could I could certainly understand that. Uh, we're going to try and rapid fire a few more of these right quick before we get out of here. Kyle, uh, Robert S wants to know, what are your thoughts on Wake Forest against NC State? Wake is a four and a half point favorite with a total of 54 and a half right now. Should I give my thoughts on Wake Forest after I took Wake Forest last week and they had six turnovers in one quarter? I mean, that's hard <laughs> to do. Um, They're canceled. I'm done. With I them. was going to yeah. say, I mean, I, I really don't want to give my thoughts on Wake Forest. Um, yeah, I've got I, an under eight and a half on that team. So uh, last week was fine. <laughs> speak for yourself gary no. <laughs> um i i would probably lean wake forest but i don't want to lay four and a half points uh with with a lot of unknowns so uh i'm gonna pass on that game the uh the third string quarterback for nc state looked like the yeah. real deal but again that was against uh virginia tech last week so eh, i i mean i would i would stay away from it but you know, if you had to go with a side, I mean, go with a known commodity, I guess. Uh, Wake Forest seems better. Um, Miguel jumps in. What are y'all's thoughts on UConn and UMass? Hey, Parker, do you want the sicko one? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So UConn's just normal bad, and UMass is, like, real, real bad. Um, <laughs> hey, UConn that's might not be, exactly... like, average bad, though. Like, UConn right, they're really normal bad, average. yeah, but... They're, they're 56th in EP per play for defense. That's like leaps and bounds above where they were. UMass's <laughs> offense is 126. They just can't move the ball. They just don't have guys. So um, the, the problem is that, like, I just don't think it's a good way to try and make money to bet on UConn to not do something stupid and keep it up, you know, 15 and a half there. So my numbers have this as like 13, 14, yeah, 14 uh, and change for um, for UConn over UMass. And so again, that's a good line. I don't think there's value there. I don't think there's something strategically, like I think UConn's going to win by about two touchdowns. I don't think I have a strategic edge on uh, why I would think that's going to be vastly different from the line. I can roll with it. I can roll with it. Uh, let's go ahead and, oh, you know what? We, we just hit 200 likes. Let's, let's go ahead and get some more likes in here. We're going to hit two more questions. Uh, I believe that we hit on this yesterday. Kyle, I don't remember if you talked about it uh, or if I just started flapping my gums about it, but um, Sean wants to know thoughts on App State and Coastal. You uh, you got a feeling on this one? 
Uh, both of these teams pretty inconsistent, especially App State. You never know what you're going to get out of the, that team. Um, pro- I think I kind of like the over in that game. It is 64, so it's pretty high. Coastal's defense has struggled quite a bit, especially giving up big plays. Uh, I think this number might be a bit lower than it should be because Coastal's defense looked good against App or uh, Marshall last week, but a lot of defenses will look good against Marshall. So uh, I, I'm going to lean to the over on this one, thinking this kind of is a, a shootout. I could I could certainly see that. I could certainly see that. Uh, Coastal's rush defense, awful. And if App State continues what they were doing against Georgia State, whew. Uh, Parker, last question here. Heath jumps in and says, do you think 27 points seems like too many for Fresno State to cover against Hawaii? Hawaii's been bad, but they've they've been improving lately. Uh, but now they got to come over to Fresno. You, you got a feel on this one? I think this is a joke from Heath to try and get me to do a uh, a rant about not betting spreads that are 27 points. But um, why Hawaii actually, <laughs> I actually have this about 18. So I think that Hawaii could cover, but I have them scoring less than a touchdown. So that's a lot of faith in Hawaii's defense to not have Fresno State, you know, rip something off or for something to go catastrophically wrong on 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 special teams for Hawaii. That hasn't really been their issue this year. Um, yeah, they're they're 11th in rushing success rate, 14th in EPA per rush. Like that's not adjusted for opponent, but that's at least competent in kind of raw stats for Hawaii. So some some maybe signs of life there. I have them covering. Don't know that I don't know that I feel strongly about either way there. Um, would certainly lean towards the dog with a big a big line there. I will tell you this: that Fresno, like the way that that game ended last week against San Diego State. I know that we've talked about it, but man. What an ending for Jake Hayner in that point. <laughs> I mean, two touchdowns in the last, what, like minute and 30 seconds, whatever it is, uh, to get the win over San Diego State. Just really well done by Jeff Tedford's bunch. I will say that. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and hit our picks recap. These are our best bets for the weekend. Parker, going to let you start us off. Yeah, I've got three today. I like LSU to keep it close in Baton Rouge, plus 13. Boise State in our uh, triple agreement pick this week, minus seven and a half. And Clemson, minus four against Notre Dame. I'm going to ride Texas State in the fighting Jake Spavitals against the fighting Terry Bowdens in, uh, in Louisiana Monroe. But yeah, give me give me the Bobcats there. Give me Houston to cover three. Uh, excuse me. Houston getting three against SMU. I like Boise State. Minus seven and a half, of course. That's the uh, the lock unity, whatever you want to call it. And I like Florida State to cover uh, eight against Miami. Uh, Kyle, what have you got for us? Troy and Louisiana under 43 and a half for me. Colorado State and San Jose State under 44 and a half. And we're going to be pulling especially hard for the Broncos. Boise State minus seven and a half. You have got that right. Gentlemen, another week in the books. What a fantastic, fantastic couple of shows. The chat, of course, Mitch, Julius, Arbone, George, ABC, Andrew, et cetera. You guys are wonderful, and we appreciate you each and every time out. Uh, We hit 200 likes. We are nearly to 11,000 subscribers. That helps out just a ton. Uh, Again, you guys are the lifeblood of the program, and we appreciate you for being here each and every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Let me go ahead and remind everybody, of course, if you haven't already, like the video on your way out. And uh, if you've not subscribed, make sure that you are subscribed. That will help us out tremendously. It'll help you out because when you hit the notification bell, it lets you know when we go live. Again, that's Tuesdays and Wednesdays, 1 p.m. Eastern time. 
Jump in the comments. Of course, after the show is done with all of your picks, we want to know what you guys are picking this weekend. Uh, sometimes you toss some information in there that helps us out. We will do our best to do the same and toss our stuff in those comments as well. So uh, let me make sure I've got everything set up. Uh, da, 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 da. I think that's it. I think that's it. All right, gentlemen, for BetUS, where the game begins, God bless college football, and we're going to see you guys again next week.